righty. Welcome back to Racers Alley. Been having a... You go at a... Actually, the place was all closed up when I got here. So just kind of learning how to take the boat out in the water, so to speak. And uh, now we got everything working. And uh, welcome Wade Boyd's in with us today as well. How are you doing, Wade? Pretty good. Cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers. So, yeah. Uh, welcome to Racers Alley. Uh, it's now uh, 621... Uh, your listeners uh thank you for going through our little bit of bondy here you know it's uh had to exactly you know uh plug in some plugs and find where they go so as far as uh, racing goes uh everything's going well here at the at the at the shop and uh, basically um we really want to thank mutiny radio they, they go out of their way uh to help the community uh you know there's a whole bunch of shows here basically comedy is a big one and uh try and look at our schedule i mean uh, there are a lot of interesting groups and uh, I would wish I could be able to tell you more than that, but uh, myself, I haven't actually uh, been able to peruse as much uh, due to time. And also, I'd like to, uh, you know, uh, thank our sponsors, uh, Subculture Racing and uh, Motor Tire Guy. Uh, they're out there always uh, promoting the good for motorcycling, and uh, it's very important. And uh, talking about that, I'd like to put out uh, healing words uh, to our friend Evan Arkush. Uh, he's a Moto Monkey. monkey Moto school uh, instructor he owns and then he was just recently hit head on by a car and uh wow. totaled his brand new bike yeah i mean uh, the way the, the way the story goes unfortunately um the driver was going towards him and then obviously you know how they just do a left turn in front of you you know if we've ever been there you know what i'm talking about and apparently unfortunately um somehow she fixated on him and decided instead of turning left go straight into him so uh he he hit the hood and went uh, hit the windshield bounced off and uh unfortunately you know the woman got out of the car said i'm sorry and just ran so they're still looking for her and i hope the karma uh, will get her i hope you know and uh evan right now hopefully you're listening you're sitting on the couch his legs are healing luckily uh, no 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 bad permanent damage and uh he'll get a new bike through insurance and be back out on the road and that you know that being said you know keep your eye out you know every day you know even i ride in the city and there's just so much distracting distraction it's it's quite crazy you know compared to even 10 years ago i mean the cell phone was dangerous but uh nowadays the the smartphones and everything else smart in the cars are just such a distraction holy moly Every day, I'm sure Snake and I'm sure you see way to you know, people are just not paying attention. You know, nobody uh, pays attention you know, anymore. It's, uh, you got to really, it's really extra dangerous out there. Yeah, you have to have to have to really ride, uh, 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 you know, cautious as well as you have to be aggressive. It's a fine line, you know. As a motorcyclist, you're better off, you know, charging than actually sitting behind something, you know. And uh, that's what I mean as far as keeping things, uh, keeping things, uh, you know, always being looking out. Um, and that being said, you know, nowadays they do have those uh, for motorcyclists the the the, the uh, inner Bluetooth and everything. So technically now boys on bikes or and the girls on bikes do they actually are um well not necessarily you know, concentrating on the road all the time now you do have your music you have your phone calls uh you Could also have be a distraction Gobra. truly i mean uh, it takes you put your hand up just to touch the side of that helmet you know that's a little bit of time you know uh some of the bikes even now uh, well the bigger harley cruisers and stuff they have all integrated into the grips but uh that being said you know let's get on a you know a nicer note and hopefully uh <laughs> evan get well soon man and uh hopefully have you on the sh uh, show very very soon 
All right. So uh, as far as uh, what's new, Wade, do we got any racing coming on or uh, uh, dirt tracking? Um, it's all happened without me. Lodi's running. I haven't been able to make it there. Um, I almost made it to Barber. I got a bunch of friends going to Barber. Um, looks like we're going to try to do the last AFM with the Guzzi and possibly the R6 to, just to prove it, shake it down. And we're hoping to send them to Australia and possibly New Zealand. Sweet. Uh, the, the R6 will be able to go to Australia then? Not for the... Um, not for Phillip Island, but it might go to uh, New Zealand. Nice. We're looking for a place for it. Um, it had a problem at Daytona. had a meltdown. It actually quit on the bank flat out. Wow. Uh, uh, how, how do you... Well, I guess you were able to coast down to, uh, how do you say, uh, regular uh, ground. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a half mile later, you finally stop <laughs> and go, whoa. Wow. And I was all but stuck, but um, they have a nice chase truck and stuff and come save you. Um, yeah, uh, as far as uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back to that R six and uh, the, the Daytona. I'd, I'd love to hear exactly what it's like going around that huge, huge bank. Uh, so, well, okay, nice. The Goosey, uh, the Sears Point's a nice track for that uh, as well. It's and actually, Thunder Hill. Thunder Hill. However, excuse me. I just read today. Um, um, Serious points having a track day in the next couple of weeks, and it was like really inexpensive. I want to say 150 or something, something. Ooh. Yeah, it'll be really great. Uh, my ZX6 has been plagued with uh, overheating issues, and it would just be great to get out there and just do some laps. And yeah. number one, get unrusty, but as well as make sure you have confidence in the bike, which is yeah. a huge thing. I mean, I, ma- I imagine Wade, you know, um, with the Gucci and such, you've been, you've been having certain teething problems with the with with your uh, three race bikes, right? Yeah, um, the R6 I didn't really ride for a year. Somebody else played with it. Somebody worked on it and stuff. And then we showed up at Daytona, and the, uh, at Daytona the Guzzi was also brand new, never been ridden anywhere. And it looked like a million bucks, folks. You got to check out our Facebook site and take a look at these bikes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it looks really nice. Rich and his wife love purple also, so they said, "Don't mind if we paint the bike purple, do you?" <laughs> So awesome. now we're the we're the purple gang. Somebody called us that, so we're we're sticking with it. We're going to run with it. A perfect name as well. Yeah, all, yeah, all your rigs just look. Most so of our bikes are purple, but so Eric is riding my KZ one thousand, which is actually black. So we put a little purple stripe on it. Yeah, cheers, Eric. I was just uh, contacting you on the old uh, Intima webs, and uh, would love to have you on the show. I mean, uh, lately uh, you've been doing well. You've gotten some firsts and such in the sidecar, and now you're venturing into uh armor armor racing what's the exact bike yeah at the moment with the kz 1000 KZ I, I gave him a ride on my sidecar which was kind of the beginning so now he's been racing whatever I'm, we're trying to get a sidecar that i have all also for him to ride but it's a long-term project it's, it wasn't supposed to be but anyhow um so he's actually our mechanic so anyhow yes i've heard he's quite talented yeah and, and, yeah he's 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 a man who's uh so, to, done so a lot he, for the for the, yeah. the team exactly yeah. so long as he's there here why don't you ride one of these and have some fun yourself besides just 
being stuck in the pits. Well, yeah, you know, a lot of people love that role to be part of a team. I mean, no matter whether you're the guy who cleans the visor or the person who's actually changing tires or, you know, wiping down the bike, doing fuel, pit, pit crews love you all. I mean, uh, to be there for a day at the track, I mean, it does get a little hot and uncomfortable, and you guys help out a lot, and it means a lot to a racer. To, to do this alone is a kind of a huge deal, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would go over to the TT and stuff, and I would beg, borrow a bike somewhere, and usually the owner or whatever that came with the bike that actually owns it, those guys and their friends, I would give them the opportunity to be on my pit crew. If you 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 can do it, but you're stuck for the day. Um, yeah, but they usually said yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, who who has the opportunity to be in a pit at the Isle of Man TT? I mean, it's, it's such a rare thing. And like you said, I mean, uh, I was there as well with you. And uh, uh, the few times I, a couple of times I went, it, yeah, you have to rely on people over there because uh, I'm the I'm the only one there. So to, we, we, when I first went there with Wade in 2004, that's when I met the crew over there, and they totally helped me out uh, both times. Uh, they were glad to it's great to have connections and make friends you know and uh, one guy uh, just pulled out of a crowd and he was happy to be there and yeah it's a very unique opportunity for for especially for races like that and uh, you know it's it's neat that uh, back to Eric he's able to now progress it's like I'd love to have him on the show to hear what uh, what it's like to be a person who's never been on the sidecar to just start being a sidecar racer because I've always dreamed about that never got my shit together and uh you know, Christine, I mean, I, I basically met her when she was already sidecar racing. So I've never really had an opportunity to to speak to someone. You know, it's like, how is it? You know, what's the sensations and all that. So I, I think it'll be a great, great conversation. So we got to yeah. twist his arm and get him here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, it's big teamwork. Um, at some point, the, the more teamwork you have, the, the better your team will work. It's actually three of you against the course. The two, the two people and the rig. You guys got to know and learn the rig. What will it do? How will it benefit um, from this maneuver or that maneuver? And if it doesn't want to do something, same as a bike. It'll totally argue, if not throw you on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's a, well, I guess it's a symbiosis of a, uh, it's a that's the right word, but uh, it's, it's uh, of, of three different entities. You have the rig, and then you have the rider, and then you have the passenger. The, and, and they're totally in different areas. They're totally in different uh, uh, body positions. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, it's a, like a spacecraft. It's, it's crazy. And, and you're just basically, what, three inches off the ground? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, it's a formula. You, I remember what you said. What was it? Just a formula car with three wheels? Yeah, we couldn't afford the fourth wheel. Yeah, and so, the, yeah so that's... So I'm, I'm sort of on like my hands and knees like on a surfboard with, with handlebars and a big motor. Mine is underneath me. And then Christine has a little island right next to me, has her little room... She, where she has, you, you can get centered in your room for the straightaway and tuck in. And we come to a left hand corner, you climb out over the fender and hang out like you're on a sailboat and try to keep that thing down. If I want to pick you up, I will pick you up. So the idea is kind of like an outrigger. Yeah. So you can an use that, outrigger. like doing a wheelie, you can use that as the wheel comes up, you use it to your advantage. Once you scare yourself, you'll back off and it's all over, you'll put her back down. Uh, <laughs> but you can use it to your advantage and cut corners and 
and usually everybody backs off when you get the wheel in the air if you can get used to it you can get on the gas rear tire will light up and it'll it'll help you finish the corner well, wait, I mean, um, again, folks, uh, you know, the sidecar, we're trying to explain it. It's, it's just basically a Formula One car with a, out of another wheel. And it's, it's two people. And get on the face of a book and find Racer's Alley. And then you'll be able to see some pictures of uh, Wade and Christine in action. And um, you'll be amazed. I mean, it's, And it's on YouTube a, also. Oh, on YouMatube as well. So, yeah, check them out on YouTube and, and uh, Subculture Racing. And uh, you'll be able to see some fantastic footage, I imagine. And uh, as far as that goes, it's like, uh, I'd like to get Christine out here, too. Maybe both of them at the same time. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's to, to, to picture that, just just get out there and check it out on, on, on Facebook and YouTube, and you'll be able to see exactly what it takes. And uh, it's it's quite incredible because, it's, it's like I said, it's symbiosis, but it's also, I mean, it, it's a dance. And uh, Wade and Christine, I, I have to say, I, I haven't seen any other pictures of any other racers who have their style where Christine will be hanging off the side going through a turn. And, I mean, you'll see this, in, 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 you know, on um, several of the courses they've ran, including Pike's Peak. And uh, that's that's just quite incredible. I mean, uh, she just uh, just slowly uh, grew and adapted to, to do that. Yeah, we went to Laguna Seca. I actually met her at a Halloween party, and she was on roller skates. Awesome. And, and, and <laughs> so she was the cute little girl in... Um, a mini skirt and, um, you know, like high heels on a Honda 750, a super clapped out <laughs> Honda 750. Riding the you, old bike. One you shouldn't be riding. Anyhow, so we went to Laguna Seca. I got her invited. Uh, Rory invited the gang and everything. And so anyhow, the girls saw the sidecars and sat in and said, wah, 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 can we try it? And so that's really how it started. So I put... Um, her and Jennifer in old 99, my original car, which is a Fitterman with a 900 Ninja motor in it. It's like a Mini Cooper with three wheels. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we we mentioned that in the, one of our shows, and yeah, uh, Jennifer uh, was from choose uh, to own Workstat here. Uh, uh, you know, uh, independent motorcycle shop, uh, women owned. We're very proud of that. She was there for many, many, many years, and uh, of course, Christine as well. So I mean, it's it's very, very cool. Especially, boy, this was back in what uh, ninety nine. Yeah. So I mean, back Something then, like you didn't have a whole lot of girl racers, and now you're getting a lot more out there. Exceptional racers, which is wonderful for yeah. the sport yeah and every aspect whether it's road racing motocross you name it it's just it's good for everybody um like if you go to hollister or something like going skiing or something there's little kids everywhere on this kind of bike that kind of bike you're going skiing the little kids are bombing down the hills just just smoking you all those kids are going to grow up to be really good really fast have a sport have something to do, have a life path, basically. I'm going to do this and not just... Sit on your iPhone and stare all day, right? I mean, yeah. be active and, yeah. Do you know, stuff. Exactly. It's... Uh, working on that myself but anyway uh yeah it's, i was again on the animal webs you see these little kids now in these pocket bikes and full leathers you know and it's great that, uh, how they're being you know there's a whole class of children right now being bred as racers and then basically they're folks like us that uh well had kids and decided to you know uh try to instill a little bit of fun and uh you'll see 
Yeah, I'm second generation. That's true, Wade. Yeah, you are. Right on. That's, that's yeah. right. Uh, Mr. Bill Boyd, correct? Yeah. So supposedly the story I got, anyhow, he was in, I'm not even sure what town, but he was in a little town in Kentucky, and there were, as a little kid, and there were no motorcycles in the town. Wow. No bikes. So he had no influence on motorcycles, by motorcycles, really at all. Not even movies that I, that I heard of. So he went in the Air Force and stuff. He went to Japan or whatever, blah, blah. Anyhow, he, he comes back to San Francisco. I don't know why he ended up here, but anyhow, he ended up here. <laughs> and, he, and he saw guys riding Harley. Supposedly, he actually got a Harley first. And, and then he saw them all getting their bikes dirty and said, I wouldn't do that. And a month later, he was out there getting his bike dirty, sold the Harley, got a bunch of Triumphs. Uh, no you know. kidding. So he started out in a Harley, and then uh, he saw other folks doing better getting dirty on the British bikes, and he made the decision that was a better way to go. Yeah, so, so that's how I got the story. He went and got a Triumph, and they all went out dirt riding on their street bikes. That's how nice. you did it. You could ride all the way to Santa Cruz from here in the dirt and not get in trouble. Back in the old days, like Stockwell Lab would go yeah. way over the hills and was, stuff. Was so. there even pavement that far? Yeah, exactly. Holy moly. So that's that's awesome. And, and then from there, uh, Mr. Uh, Bill Boyd ended up uh, uh, turning into a proper racer yeah so uh when when i came along they were racing uh belmont which i don't remember actually seeing so i really like seeing pictures belmont. of it mm. belmont speedway was one of the fastest speedways on the west coast well there was a horse race track out there is that what they're thinking that's, about that's probably what it was yeah okay because they used to yeah they, they the horse race tracks a lot of times yeah that's usually places. what it is nowadays but yeah. Back then, they had their own stuff. Like, they had board tracks. All that stuff ah. was built special. Racing was special and was big time. People would go racing, go watch the races in their suits and stuff a hundred years ago. Yeah, it was, I mean, um, it was pure entertainment. I mean, you know, back then, if you wanted entertainment, you went out and saw it. I mean, it's like sitting here and pulling up a Netflix or something. People actually had more uh, more enjoyable things to look at, and especially racing. There's horse racing all over the all over the state back then as it, well. It know. was really big. Uh, if you stayed home, you you didn't really do that. There was no TV. There was no... So it was big time to go, go to the races and do stuff. And, you know, I, when I came along, I actually woke up, as I call it, at Hayward Speedway. And so the first vision that I remember seeing was the 650 Triumphs, all those, <laughs> they call them big pigs and stuff nowadays. Anyhow, they were flying off the jump. And the sound. Oh, it was fabulous. Just, uh, you know, melts your heart. It was great. Totally dynamite. Nobody went slow. They all flew off the jump like nobody's business. So... I, were, I woke up at the races. So uh, were they TT races or was it a motocross? It was a TT race. Motocross hadn't come into it existence. Didn't exist really, really back then. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, wow. In a sense, the TTs started all, all the jumping craze. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And then from there, Pops? Um, so he, he dirt raced until 60 five or so or whatever uh-huh and then he started road racing and then he had an accident on the street and 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 um but anyhow so that was after the isle of man he did the isle of man in 66 um i think it was 65 he won the 250 afm 250 cc championship 
AFM as well. Yeah. Now, as far as the Isle of Man, uh, boy, I mean, was there any other American who did that before? Maybe one. Mr. Roper really. was later, correct? Much later, much later. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. And uh, what was very unique about that? Um, so they wore porridge pot helmets back then. Everybody was dressed in black and in black and black. And, <laughs> and more black. The, exactly. So he showed up in red leathers. Holy moly. Bright red leathers. They now came out with his helmet called an, a full face, open face. Not just a porridge pot, and they tried to hold him. Uh, that helmet's not legal. It's, it's actually interesting. It was the next progression. So yeah, the open face helmet. So he went out there with um, revolutionary helmet gear, and they were just looking yeah. at that funny. So similar kind of thing, as he said, they kind of had funky equipment, and I showed up with the state of the art. So he had a wow <laughs> Yamaha TD one, I believe. TE1, um, Yamaha. So is that a 125? Um, no, it's a 250. That was the one. Uh, that was the t- one is supposedly is the one with the chrome chambers huh. that didn't work. They cracked. <laughs> the TD2 was the one that worked. So it might, might have been, probably was the TD2. Um, but he had a super, really good equipment. Um, but he said he wrote it too long. It actually broke before he finished. So he was kind of bummed out. It was also the year of the lorry strike. And his girlfriend slash wife at the time tried to enter the race also, and they turned her down at that time, whatever. There were no females being allowed, and, and, yeah. and they gave her a hard time. She's supposedly the only one, especially female-wise, uh, around here that could beat my dad on a, on a 50 <laughs> they took, yeah. or 80 they took 50s or 80s and they rode rode them all over the place because of the lorry strike they went to ireland spent like the summer in ireland racing doing all these races in ireland no and kidding. and racing the 80s and you know commuting on them wherever they're going and wow so they did a whole uh, proper just tour living the life yeah as a racer you you can race and you're able to have a couple of bikes and even better i mean I, I never heard the words you can beat Bill Boyd until just a, a minute ago, and uh, and that's even yeah. more awesome from his old lady. <laughs> Holy moly, that's yeah, the boy. Imagine that. Holy moly, that's great. Yeah. So he wow. was he was sponsored by Al Fergoda, Al Fergoda Yamaha, which oh. was on Market Street. And it's not there anymore. Uh, Market Street, San Francisco. Back yeah, in the San day. Francisco. Yes, so, he sponsored you as well uh, just recently. Right, Mr. Fogoda? No, he's he's long long been gone. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking about that uh, uh, up the up the hill that one time where you got that nice old old triumph. I got I got a jacket from him. I was at the indoor and I, I was presented a jacket which comes from Al Fogoda and 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 my dad should have had it. Could have been his jacket um, back in the oh. day, and that was given to me at the indoor by Rod Lake. In Rod Lake. Rod Lake is really big in flat tracking and all kinds of stuff, and so legendary. Yeah, um, awesome. he's also from Sonoma, right after I left Sonoma. So we kind of almost know each other from way back. He was like the next, you know, year or two behind me, whatever. Yeah, and have you read across him? 
Yeah, every once in a while when I go to the races. Anyhow, um, he's really big. He's a big sponsor in all of them. And so he's when he's there, he's the man, you know. And yeah. uh, you know, just in many ways, interesting like you, Wade. When you when you when you're hanging out with the local boys, I mean, it's always nice to have a legend hanging out, you know. And uh, so that being said, he's out there, and a lot of folks know. But when you're there, yeah. you're just mates and pals and yeah, hanging so, out. But it's, it's kind of neat. So I've been road racing for a bunch of years, and then sidecar racing, and there's slightly different groups or clicks whatever you want to call it um so anyhow i hadn't been dirt racing in many years and i started uh by went restart redid it by winning the 09 mile at stockton got me kind of oh let's go try and do that again and and the bike you did it on was just totally absolutely ludicrous to everyone around us i was there yeah did that on the klr klx klx i always say yeah. oh, god damn it but anyways yeah yeah it was a time it was time uh it was just quite insane and uh that's a whole nother story that we you know we, we were there and uh yeah we'll get back to that in a second so why don't we take a break and we'll be right back with you and enjoy some more blondie Glad uh, got every all the technical difficulties fixed, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mutiny Radio, for having us here in the heart of the mission. And uh, all right, talk to you soon.
song makes you want to kind of be on a cruise ship. Thank you, Miss Blondie. There you are. So we're hanging back again uh, at Mutiny Radio, our show Racers Alley. It's Mr. Wade Boyd and uh, myself, Alex, here, and just uh, talking about all fun motorcycle things. And uh, we were just mentioning, uh, we were talking about Mr. Bill Boyd, Wade's pops, and uh, he actually was one of the first racers, I believe, in America who we were just discussing, uh, Run the Isle of Man. We're going to have to do some research on that. And, uh, of course, uh, he did it in class and uh that's a big deal uh from there i mean uh did were you, were you the next next uh, generation to run the aisle or was there someone between there might have been a couple chris true's the, the one that i know of in in my generation okay chris crew and then uh, mr roper maybe um, roper i'm not sure where where he fit in he was i think in the manx also but i don't not sure what year he did that i'm sure it was probably earlier than mine. Yeah, it's um, like a, we're going to have to do some uh, homework, uh, folks, and uh, it'll be an interesting s- to see, you know, the lineage of uh, Americans who actually ran the Isle of Man, whether it be the Manx GP or the Isle of Man TT. To, mo- to me, they're kind of both the same. I mean, one is faster, but Jesus, it's the same damn course. Uh, also, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many uh, from San Francisco actually ran, because I-, I bet you there's a good number from the Bears. Area. And then, you know, uh, a couple of down south, I believe, uh, it was uh, Jeremy yeah. Toy, I believe, and a couple of other boys. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have an episode once where we sit back and talk about that. Maybe when uh, maybe when uh, we get uh, um, Montano here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so as far as uh, from there, uh, your pops was running around uh, on an 80 in Europe and then came back uh, and he got into a 250. 250 um in the afm yeah uh, but then he got in an accident in, um 66 i think it was actually on christmas on highway one and which totally changed his career for, um he be- oh, yes. actually became a hippie for a while and got away from bikes altogether wow um i, w- I was away up in snow my parents split up or, or somewhere in marin um moved, bouncing around and stuff um so anyhow, it became a hippie for a while, big flamboyant hippie. If, if you the, find the picture of Sergeant Sunshine having his joint lit, <laughs> it's being lit by my dad. Yeah, all right. <laughs> they were roommates, and, and there's a million stories there that I don't even know about. But awesome. Um, so yeah, so he was a full full scale professional hippie, and he was a SFPD kind of guy yeah and and they were all kind of hippies and yeah 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 you know, they, different times you know and so they both rode bikes did they uh start the sunday morning ride no not even close okay so that, that was out there before yeah okay peter adams started the sunday morning ride peter adams uh when was that do you know 56 or 7 uh it Holy was go it was going by i, I was there in 58 and it was had totally changed, so I'm gonna uh, 57 at the latest. How long did it take to actually grow? Anyhow, so I was there, and I'm gonna say 58 because I was at least three years old. And I'm sitting on the gas tank, and we always did 80, 80, 85. Wow, and in back the slow then lane, cars, huh? Yeah, um, and there used to not be a stop sign at Olima. So they, and that was before I remember it. 
I don't remember jumping it, but in the old days, they jumped Olima. Wow, nice. So that means you hit it at 50, 80, or 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, well, back then, yeah, those bikes, that was that was a proper speed. Yeah. And, uh, wow, cool. I can't imagine the highway went back then. It yeah, so the, incredible. It was started by Peter Adams, and as my dad said, they were all like BMW guys, sit up, being correct and proper and blah, blah, blah. And he got this triumph and went out with all the dirt guys and rat raced all over the place and so they would run off the road on purpose and spray dirt on those guys and just, just <laughs> they were into competition and just you know beat them yeah. up with we're so much faster than you guys so they kind of petered off and it kind of went into the racer you know faster ride faster ride in anything goes yeah, until this day, it still does. It's a great ride, and, uh, you know, just got to be out there and be responsible yeah. and so I was not on, hurt your fellow rider. Exactly. I was on, on the gas tank back then, and I called. I learned how to walk at 85 miles an hour. <laughs> That's awesome. That was your impression. And so I saw everything they did, and we did this, we did that. And so we also, I got taken dirt riding. And luckily, I never fell off. That would have been the last time I ever did. Um, but they were all on 650 Triumphs out in the dirt, doing yeah. this, doing that. Um, they're putting in houses and stuff, and they dirt rode all through all that stuff before the houses were going up in China Camp. There's Luckily, still isn't houses there, but um, I learned to ride on, at China Camp. Through the, around the city? No, China Camp in Marin. It's oh, a, okay. Yeah, it's Marin. a set of hills and dirt trails and stuff. They used to have races out there. It's a kind of a history thing at this point. Tracks <laughs> um, long forgotten. So they all, everybody had a, a Triumph for a Harley, and it was it was your dirt bike, and that's what they did. And so I was the little kid on the back or on the gas tank. And then, so I guess about 66, and you know, so they, they had the Yamaha 80, like I was telling you about. And so my dad had a street version. Then there was a dual purpose version, I think it was. Anyhow, that's the first little bike that I got to ride. They also put me on a Triumph. But <laughs> Nice. So I was just a first gear speed demon. I could work the throttle and that was it. Yeah, that's that's how yeah. we all started, actually. Yeah. My, uncle, my uncle taught me to ride as well, Uncle Ed. And yeah, we were on a DT-175. And, uh, you know, I mean, one of the first times was a long ride on the back all the way to a Pleasant Hill back then. And uh, I want to say this must be the 70, late 70s, maybe early 80s. And... Um, Hell, I was on the back of that bike, you know, from Danville all the way to Pleasant Hill. And, you know, back then there wasn't freeways like there are now, and it was quite different. And, uh, yeah, it was quite exhilarating. I was pretty much hooked after that, and shortly thereafter uh, learned how to ride it. And he gave that to me to uh, from when he got his XT. So it's, it's very yeah. neat. Everyone gets indoctrinated somehow. Yeah. I mean, if it's not a family member, it's a friend or, you know, you're watching. And I've had people at the shop just come in and, you know, just out of the blue. I want to learn how to ride, blah blah blah. So, it's, but yeah. Uh, yeah, they want they're fulfilling their own dream. They don't know anyone, and yeah. that's always neat as well. I got to go to the Sacramento Mile. I think it was, and I'm gonna say at this point, 1970. Anyhow, similar thing. I'm in snow. I'm back. My dad lives in the city. Anyhow, I got to go to the mile with him to actually see the mile, and he pawns me off on this guy on a Norton. So I got to ride with Weird Harold on this <laughs> fabulous Norton. 
And it's like, well, okay, whatever. Anyhow, he rips his great wheelie. Wow. <laughs> from here to forever, and it was just dynamite. First time doing that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Big grins, right? Yeah. Woo. I'm going to do that when I grow up. <laughs> exactly. You know, once you see it, it's like you can do it if you see it. You know, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Good old times, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's all like, the kids nowadays are doing the same thing. First thing out of your mouth, wheelie, wheelie. You exactly. Know, next thing is they're wheeling down the street. Well, we got the folks around here called the 12 o'clock boys and such. Uh, every now and then I'll be sitting at my pub and uh, just go see a whole gang of like 15, 20 folks just uh, doing the old hooligan things, you know, like back in the old days. I mean, uh, to me, I have no problem with that. Uh, I grew up without a helmet. I had a dirt bike. You're a kid, you know, as long as you don't act stupid and just don't go beating up people, have all the fun you want, you know, and got the guys in the quad. So it's it's really neat. The the clan that comes around when when I'm out there, it's just like all they like to do is do wheelies in between the block. And yeah, it's it's, it's a lot of fun. And so it's neat to see that there's still folks out there that are willing to be a little bit of a hooligan, you know, and I, I always like that myself, you know. There you go. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> right on, right on. So uh, let's see here. Talking about that, I believe today there was a CHP bulletin for the Uh-oh. folks out there in uh, Contra Costa and Alameda County. They were basically pulling over motorcycles to uh, check your papers and make sure you are legal. It's an effort to um, crack down on stolen motorcycles. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have two feelings about this. You know, I, I don't like the fact that they're pulling everyone over on a motorcycle but you know i work at a shop and geez you know three at least three bikes come in a week you know i mean just at an average let's just say average and all those bikes been stole you know this person's lovely bike they mess up the keyway they you, you wouldn't believe it you know just just imagine what a what a bike can go through and uh, they've been through it and we see it all the time and it's awful on the industry it's awful especially on the rider you know and uh that being said so i don't like the props pulling all over pulling all the motorcyclists over but uh, i can see how many stolen bikes are out there because I can see how many are caught, you know, and you see it nowadays on the local Facebook book and stuff that they actually, I think they have a motor stolen motorcycle site, which is really good because it gets out the word really, really quickly as far as, uh, Hey, my bike stolen, put a lookout. And, uh, you know, I think people actually do, especially motorcyclists. And, uh, I don't know the recovery rate, but, uh, it's, it's good. It's a good service out there. So that being said, Watch out out there if you're on a bike, because if you're in Contra Costa or Alameda, you'll likely be pulled over. So just be careful, yeah, right? Yep. <laughs> Last yeah. thing we want is tickets, you know. Yeah. All righty. So let's see here. Uh, we were just talking about uh, uh, 250 racing, and now uh, we'll be right back. Uh, I got to go take a leak. See you soon.
Welcome back to Racers Alley, and Wade and I are just sitting and uh, chilling, and uh, just mentioned, you know, uh, the cost of racing, and uh, that, that's a thing, unless you're a racer, like, you really don't believe how much money you blow through, and uh, to just just get everything done and, and, and do your job. I mean, at, at a certain point, you, you spend money, it's just like, what's a little more, especially if you have a certain goal. And I mean, it's a huge deal. I mean, a lot of folks are, are how do you say, uh, you know, uh, sponsored and, you know, that's great. Uh, my sponsorship, uh, as, as well as subculture sponsorship has always been as, as part of subculture. Uh, a lot of the locals help me, you know, 
and uh, also family. I mean, I've never been, uh, you know, sponsored by Red Bull or something, though. Uh, Red Bull, if you want to sponsor me, I'm here right now. And uh, yeah, wait, I mean, you understand, right? I mean, sponsorship is a huge deal, and it, it's just really expensive right now. And uh, we were just mentioning, it was like, what are your plans? And I'm pretty much going to skip the next race and uh, be in the last, and my bike's been uh, under the weather. I mean, it just doesn't make sense right now for me to, uh, you know, uh, spend, you know, uh, at least $500, uh, you know, I had to sort it out into the end, end of the year type thing. So it's like, uh, I'll spend it on a track day, you know. Yeah, so that's like per outing or yeah. per day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, or even more. I mean, uh, it's like a, if you have a trailer with a, with a van, I mean, that's in the sidecar on the back. I mean, you're, you're talking a lot as far as gas yeah. and yeah. food and there's, everything. There's numbers you, that you're not even showing in the picture. Yeah, but, exactly. You think it's just that. But entry for the day is like $500. And then you have the equipment. And then you have more and more. Spares. And more. Spares. You, if you're on a two-wheeler road racer, you might burn a tire or a set of tires up a day. Yeah, well, yeah. If you're a fast yeah, guy yeah, and yeah. you really want to be number one, I mean, there there are a lot of folks who do, who do that. I mean, uh, yeah, that's so. That's what a thousand dollars in tires, you know, or eight hundred or something. You know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not current on that, but I want to just say about eight to a thousand, I imagine, and not even including a sidecar. And uh, so that's your tire money, you know. And then you have your fuel, you know, and that's. Easy 100 to 500, right? You know? Could be. Uh, Sidecars, it, it, it all depends on what you're running. But well, say fuel actually is a small amount compared to all the other numbers that you're throwing out there what i meant fuel is like uh you and your van with the rig in the back going to pike's peak or or or, or uh, uh, you know miller or stuff i mean yeah, that, that's getting that's it there big, yes you know? so miller is eight hours away from san francisco we spend like a thousand dollars to do that once a year yeah it's so. the most expensive neighborhood almost neighborhood race and and we're not spending a lot actually and that's, compared uh, to other people that's not including entry and stuff that's just to get there and back no that's that's including entries like a hundred dollars okay that's per class to blah, get there, yeah. um for for a while there we we actually had three different motorhomes and we got <laughs> it got down to it was like a dollar a mile yeah Holy moly. As you still enjoy that motorhome or anything, but yeah, it was a dollar a mile and, and we just couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. We, we don't have a financial sponsor. We work all the time and we end up paying for it ourselves. So it was really difficult. And so we don't do that much traveling. But if you're racing sidecars, you're traveling, you're traveling. If you're going international, you don't have that many cars. You rent cars. It's different. Interesting. But it's yeah. still. Uh, gets to be about the same we don't have an 18 wheeler a driver a team whatever there's uh, maybe one of us two of us three of us and that's privateering i mean Private. that's that's the finest yeah. i mean that's what i love about being a privateer i mean there's always like we were mentioning earlier with eric uh, 
uh, pit crews, you know. I mean, I've had uh, pals, uh, Steve and uh, Rick, uh, in my early Rat Brothers racing days, and uh, Austin, and, uh, you know, Tommy was, uh, actually, he wasn't there at the time. Was all about that. And uh, let's see here, later in the time, uh, my friend Mitch was out there, and uh, Chad, and all those folks from uh, uh, Zeitgeist when we had our endurance races. You know, everyone loves to have a good time out there when it, when it comes to helping out. And uh, so that being that said, you know, that being said, uh, yeah, it, it is costly. And uh, those are the unknowns. You know, when I go out there, it's a uh, hotel fees and such. And then, you know, you stop at Walmart and all that. You know, it's it's the hidden fees, you know, that make life really expensive as far as being a racer. And, uh, you know, track day, folks, you know, it's it, it can be very expensive as well. But I, I think there's a certain intensity when it comes to racing where you're burning through things more. You know, you're burning through bake pads. You're burning through tires. I mean, um, I, I think you're basically going, trying, trying to go 100% if, if that can be said, you know, out there as a racer, you know, no matter whether you're a newbie or you're top, top guy. I mean, you're, you're going out there and you're trying to go as fast as you possibly can. And I think that's that's different than a track day where you're, you're putting your bike through through a certain different set of paces. You know, what do you think about that, Wade? Yeah, totally, totally different. Track day, you're you're playing around, you're trying to go fast. It, it's not as measured as having somebody breathing down your neck or oh, ten guys part. breathing <laughs> down your neck. You know, for whatever reason. So, in the races, I want to say you always tend to go another ten percent harder, faster. You will go faster in a race. You just automatically have to try to, where you're not in the lead. Well, that's why you're out there, and I mean, uh, competitive spirit. I mean, it, yeah, it's a certain sense of adrenaline, a, a different, different, definitely a different pace. And uh, that being said, it does go through your resources uh, quite quickly, and uh, so that that's why we were lamenting on. Uh, Sometimes racing's really expensive, and folks don't really understand that. You know, you got to factor in the hotel and getting in and out and uh, everything else in between because there will be a time where something breaks. You know, at the aisle, we were very, like, fortunate. Um, we had a few issues and had a welder there. I mean, uh, yeah, had a, had a couple of folks make us some yeah. things, I recall. And uh, they, had, they had the shop out there, and, uh, yeah, they were all there to help, help all, the, yeah. all the TT racers. When you're around a racing event and stuff, most everybody is really super, super helpful. If you need something, you're racing, most of the guys won't charge you anything. We just do give you anything you need because we, we all need to see you out there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, Wade was, uh, uh, he helped me to get to the TT, and uh, so we're actually there with Christine there as well, so to, to, this is just a wonderland, I mean, uh, first time I ever went anywhere. Motorized well, wonderland. Yeah, motorized wonderland, it was a giant, you know, just carnival, and everyone was there for a good reason, and to have fun, and watch some race, and, and be a racer, and uh, part of the team, so to speak, and uh, yeah, uh, what was interesting uh, uh, I guess this was the, uh, I was now, a, how do you say, a, a pro international racer. You know, how often do you get to say that out loud? I was able to a couple of times, you know, actually three. But uh, anyhow, uh that was really cool and uh going over there i mean uh, i was a newbie i had no idea what i was up to and holy moly that's a whole different story however you know um 
saying that you were there as a competitor did bring a certain amount of, uh, I guess you could say, ah, oh, or here's a pint mate and let me shake your hand, which is which is really really neat, you know. So that was what that was really really fun because uh, you know over here in America, you know, I never really actually got on the podium, so it was uh, dreams come true, small miracle type things to get there. And uh, that being said. Uh, Everyone was there to help you, you know, like we mentioned earlier, had friends who were going to be a pit crew and that type of thing, um, got volunteers, you know, that, uh, you know, got hang at their house. It, it was wonderful. And uh, interestingly enough, I got paid right so wade told the story a while ago before i ever got there he's like yeah man you first thing you do is like uh you buy a wallet all right and then once you get your payday you fill it full of your uh, fill it full of water cash all the all the pounds and sure enough it was hard to bend he said it would be hard to bend and then you go back and in the pit all the folks that got you the tires helped you out everything all the oil everything it was a giant payday it's like being 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 a bunch of cattle ranchers coming into town once you got paid you know the whole town flourishing cash was just being handed around and it was really neat you know because those folks would take credit on you you know and uh, I, I didn't know this at the time and sure enough you know if you qualified which which i did uh you got some ducats you know and you got more ducats depending on who you were apparently but uh yeah i think i got like 18 or 2200 pounds back yeah. then which is and awesome. you were just happy to get it, <laughs> it was so cool whoa it changed everything and and yeah you now you were like a star and everything and accord could afford to do most anything yeah that's it i got uh sign autographs and everything you're like on the top of mount olympus it's just dynamite really good times yeah, it really was. You know what's cool, Wade? I mean, holy moly. It's like the whole town lit up. I mean, this was the end of qualifying. I actually got in. And, I, you know, at that time, I, I don't think I had the apprehension that I did to get in as I did at the uh, Manx. So I, I, I don't recall. I lost my story. Somewhere it's out there on uh, 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 email guys so if you ever got my first Isle of Man stories please send them to me but yeah so anyhow uh, I, I raced a 99R1 uh, for the first time out there a Prodi bike and uh, boy I only had 8 laps to to qualify you know do the weather and such so the the learning curve was rather rather steep I have to say and I, I broke down the first time due to a clutch and I forget where I was the bus stop does that sound right Wade? Bus stops there's a bus stop turn or little area out there but anyhow it was an area that was a bus stop and i pulled over because it's first time out there just got the r1 it's it's absolutely fucking crazy because uh it, it's a whole different story how to get there christine had to like hold the door open and we just got in barely intact and they lost our bikes it was a huge ordeal that year and uh so ended up uh getting out there and uh here we are. Just go down Bray Hill. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I was just so worried to even get there. I didn't even realize I'm going down the hill until I'm going down the hill. I was like, all right, boy, here we are. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, quite a learning curve. Uh, very, very steep. And uh, so anyways, I'm going through and end up going to this little bit of area. And my, my clutch started to freeze, literally. So it was giving me issues. And then going through some messes. So it's like, all right, you know, one thing they said is never never try to fix your bike on the fly here 
pull the fuck over. So I did end up pulling over, and this is literally my first lap of, uh, out there, so so how, however many turns. And uh, I uh, sitting there, and a couple of marshals came over. It's like, what's up, lad? You know, see bikes going by. It's like, yeah, my clutch lever, it's, it's froze. And, uh, well, uh, huh? Yeah, hold on. We'll get some spanners, and uh, I think he used a a, 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 a vice grip or a a, a a another tool. But they're like handyman tools, you know. They, they they weren't actually the proper tools. And I'm sitting there. No, don't worry about it, mate. Don't worry about it. You don't need to go through all this trouble. And they're they're struggling to fix it, so meaning that you don't have the proper tools. And uh, they go, no, man, you know, you just got here. You got to get your name in the books. One lap, you get your name in the books. You got to go out there, finish. And it's because they knew because we had already lost time being out there because of the weather. So uh, I was already way past my, my learning schedule. And uh, so anyway, sure enough, they, they, they fixed that bike. You know, they got the clutch lever fixed. Wubba, wubba. It had tightened because of a certain uh, way I put it together or whoever. But anyways. I messed it up, got fixed, went down, and I did finish my lap. And then there are pictures out there, uh, which is my first lap. And it's so funny because I'm just like almost leaning away from the huge wall. Like it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm always sitting straight up. You know, it's like, you know how it is, Wade. You're going towards it. It's like, ah. Anyhow, it was it was, yeah, it was a great time. A lot time. of walls there. A lot of walls. And I was like, I was learning that very quickly. And uh, so that's that that was, uh, you know, uh, my first time out there. And uh, it was it was really really cool you know and uh the folks out there uh exactly when you when you qualify which i did and uh uh you get a big fat paycheck and it was a huge party it's almost like being in like pirate cove yeah it's a beautiful view ain't it yeah Uh, yeah isle is such a nice place the people are totally just dynamite so they have they have a couple parties but anyhow the tt is their biggest party of the year and the whole world shows up to dance on their doorstep. Just totally dynamite. And race motorcycles at high speed and party every other night. You're stuck there for two weeks. Oh, how glorious is that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, stuck there for two weeks. Holy moly. It's like, um, like I said, it's like uh, I would, I'd always been a privateer. And I, I ended up in the land of Oz. And uh, it was a wonderful time. And the folks were great. And the, 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 the view... Yeah, it was it was a very exciting time actually, and, and, and uh, holy moly! And uh, we actually sat in the we were in the pits. We camped in the pits. Uh, when I first got there, I had a hotel room for a second. That's a very very nice uh, introduction to to the aisle. And uh, from there, we ended up in pits. And uh, my dear friend Mitch, who was one of my uh, uh, pit crew back in the day uh he ended up giving me this tent which literally i could have a cot in as well as my um my big bag which is uh you know uh, all my clothes and i also brought motorcycle uh, stuff in there as well as tools and then uh i was able to put my r1 in there literally uh i was working in the on the r1 on the front brakes uh uh 
it was in a really huge storm and uh wade was then interrupted me and we ended up eating some uh well snails but that's a whole different other story <laughs> there are but uh yeah it was a, it's a, it a really good time out there and it was, uh, it was camping there everyone was you know we were in international land i mean everyone it's i spoke english uh, lousy spanish but the french and everyone else spoke several languages so was, I, don't, I don't think communication was ever really a problem holly nobody cared everybody was really happy you're all there for the tt mission and like i told i was telling them over there everybody's got their like race glasses on and everybody's in the race mode and in a race event and and, and so you're in a bubble and the normal reality of the world isn't doesn't exist yeah, yeah that's, that's it, it. it really is Oz and you know motorcycle Oz and everyone is just really just there to have a good time there was not one angry vibe in the whole place you know that that, that was really yeah. amazing you know get a, get a, get a thousands of bikers together and you gotta imagine there's gonna be a fight nothing you know i'm talking irish and scottish and english together yeah how you know yeah. jesus <laughs> you're supposed to go to the beer tent after the races and party with your competitor and fans and everything and that was wonderful i mean you were able to i mean i remember uh so uh ended up uh wade and i raced uh we were both on a 99 r1s back then uh and we both did, bought the 99 r1s in 99 <laughs> but uh anyhow uh holy moly so ended up finishing you know it's like coming back after blowing up the death star it's really fucking cool right so you feel great and uh everyone's around and everyone's uh, you know there uh who came back um uh, anyhow uh holy moly go to fucking the t- uh, was a bushy's tent bushy's beer tent right behind the grandstands it's yeah. it's t- and it's tradition at the tt you must go there and, yeah. and and have fun with your friends and whoever you're going to meet have a beer and and it takes off from there. It's actually, it's totally dynamite. It's where everyone gets to mingle and have fun and a good time. And uh, anybody can show yeah, up. Exactly. You know, and it was cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. There's Bushies. Uh, I think you introduced me to one of the Dunlop boys back then. It might have been Robert. But uh, yeah, it was, it was one of the times I was there. I was there, I was there three times with, uh, with, uh, with Wade twice and myself. Uh, and racer alex once but uh yeah it was it's it's a wonderful land you know i mean holy moly i haven't even begun to explore the whole yeah. place but we went to a few places you know uh, castle town and you told me once what do you go what happens when you go in the castle there is a dungeon right there's a dungeon down there scary really it could be really scary you want to be in a horror movie oh just stick around in the dungeon let me out of here yeah medieval shit yeah yeah that's that was the whole place is just so wonderful i mean uh, holy moly and if you ever get a chance civilized now yeah yeah that too it's like it's gotten a little bit more uh, gentrified but uh, the Manx folks are great. You know, I remember, holy moly, uh, we were going and looking at your Manx leathers, maybe. We were, we were, going, we were going to check out the Manx folks. Uh, back then, uh, Wade had some Manx leathers. And, uh, you know, I always wanted some, too, that said Manx leathers. But uh, anyhow, um, so I'm sitting in what would be, uh, you call a Safeway. And... Uh, and I'm, I'm out front. You're doing something going in there. So I'm actually out near the doors. And 
uh, a grandmotherly type comes up next to me, and she's like my mamita, you know, and she's just sitting there. It's like, oh, it's like, look at this, you know, and it's like, what do you mean? It's like, it's so grand, it's so big, and it's like, it's like, well, this is a supermarket, you know. It's like, yeah, I, I live in, she, and she lived in this little township, you know, think of Hobbit World. And uh, it's like, ah, oh, she goes, you're not from around here, are you? It's like, no, no. It's like, I could tell by your accent, which is so funny, <laughs> you know, because I never think I have an accent. But uh, yeah, it was incredible. So we're sitting there talking, and she's going, look at so much stuff and stuff. And yeah, she never really got out of the radius of her little town, little, little town. And I've heard that uh, before, read that as well. You know, the Manx are very, uh, the, their culture of the Isle of Man is, is wonderful, and uh, they have a whole different language. And uh, yeah, they have their own language. They do have their own language language you know and uh yeah if you go there they'll actually have it written on all the signs underneath correct yeah yeah. only those guys can read it though yeah but it's neat you know and uh, it's it's a culture just like a lot that they're trying to keep alive you know so it's yeah yeah you know that's so yeah yeah they, they totally have a slice of paradise and some of some of them venture very very far and some of them don't go anywhere Exactly. Well, kind of like San Francisco for some of us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cross the bridge? I don't think so. Yeah. Some things are really far sometimes. Like, I'm not going over the sunset. But anyhow, uh, yeah. So talking about the aisle, I mean, that was kind of my experience over there. And, uh, you know, uh, being an island also weather-wise, you know, holy moly, you know, uh, you can go from a really nice day to get a really big conditions, you know, and uh, come on in. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, Good. even even racing, but just regularly. Yeah. But yeah, as far as racing, wait, am yeah. I right? I I used to call it a Hawaiian island, but the problem is it's up around Seattle, <laughs> so it's it doesn't have the great weather that it has yeah, has in Hawaii. But once in a while, they have the, the I call it the Manx Riviera. It's when it's the perfect, super sunny, super hot day. All of the ladies are out that should be in the shop, you know, tending to the shop area. Now they're all outside sunbathing, and we'll get to you in a little while. We're, like, busy sunbathing. I'll come back in a little while and bug you. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, I've been there when it was really, really hot. And uh, one time I came back, uh, I was over at uh, the Manx GP and uh, racing a GSXR 600. Anyhow... um, came back from the pub it's late and they go alex i find a a bunch of folks uh actually tying down my tent because i I actually that tent i was mentioning earlier was uh well just tied down uh, you know four stakes so it was interesting that uh, my 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 pals that were around me were battening down the hatches and they they took it upon themselves to literally tie my tie ropes over my tent and stake them down proper because they said a gale force storm or something something was going to come in it was something fierce apparently you're you're about to be in trouble right you know but i had the same spot we had for both times over at the aisle uh the tt wade so i I already i picked my land spot 
you know, perfectly because we go there each time and we get that perfect land spot where it's not too crooked, but enough to get the 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 the, the, the rain down. So you got, and you can see across the Irish Sea. You got to run off. You're not actually in the swamp. Yeah. So we we've been there a couple of times and we staked out our place and uh, so that's where I had my tent and uh, sure enough, I put the scooter and the. Uh, the uh, R1 plus my little uh, big old bag of, you know, the ones you have to pull full of all my stuff and uh, my cot. And, uh, yeah, dude, I slept like yeah. a fucking, no problem. You know? Yeah, he had to have a cot because the, the ground oozes cold over there. I mean, I froze my ass cold. off. You are. <laughs> if you're on the ground, you're frozen solid. I don't know how those guys, and there's fields of tents. And, and, and I don't know how they do it. Exactly. Hey, uh, Dimitri, are you in the house? I'm in the house. All right, good in to the see house. you, buddy. <laughs> right on, right on. Right. Wow. Am I? Am I actually on? Live? You are on this right now. You are alive. Good to see you, buddy. I love it, man. I love it. I, you know, I gotta say, the first thing I felt when I walked through the door, I said, "There are the two sexiest men in motorcycle racing." All right. Now you gotta buy me a beer. Okay. Apparently. At least uh, the cutest. At least the cutest. Uh, Fuck, man. You got. Uh, people should see this place. It is rad. Glad you like it. Sorry, I'm not adding to the motorcycle stories, but you know, it's uh, no, it's, it's a, a big fish story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how's your bike? What have you been up to? I, I hear you're planning on going back to Mexico. I would love to go back to Mexico. I am working on self-preservation. Um, I got out of the pool today at 20th Mission. I worked out with a gay dude. It was great, and uh, man, he worked me. I'll tell you, and uh, swam 20 laps and got a raccoon face. Uh, people don't don't swim in direct daytime unless you really want to look like a fucking raccoon anyway so yeah health baja it all goes hand in hand for me uh you know so that means uh you've been training i've I've been trying to i just got in the pool after five months Uh, no one really gives a shit but uh i'll tell you it's uh it's good for you Nice. Right on, right on. It's good to hear from you. And uh, we were just talking about the Isle of Man just recently and uh, privateer funding and, 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 and the such, really. I mean, uh, yeah, it, uh, the hidden costs, you know. So when you, when you go down south, I'm sure they're hidden costs. Oh, always, always. You know, you always got to put a little 20% aside for, uh, you know, a beer emergency or you might need a weed emergency. I, I don't know what you need, but... <laughs> Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, at one point, didn't you have a certain issue with a uh, with uh, with a? Uh, we we never got to this story, and uh, that's uh, uh, where you had this big motorcycle, and you're trying to go across something. Oh yeah. Uh oh. Yeah. yeah, that 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 would be a picture would tell a thousand words on that one. Uh, do I speak into this mic here? Yeah. Thank you for uh, entertaining me. Let's talk about me for a minute. I, I love this. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the story is quite incredible. I mean, and it's good for motorcyclists to hear because he, he got out of it. But it, it. Yeah. Tell the story, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you in just short sequence here. So if you're ever at 3.30 in the afternoon, an hour away from anybody, maybe cell phone, maybe not, and you're looking at a land bridge that's about 10 feet tall with a 10-foot ditch on each side. Land bridge. And you're like on a 500-pound bike. You know, before you just go, hey, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You might be 20, you might be 40. You could still make the same mistake and just have that bravado without thinking about the consequences, right? So you're sure you're going to make it. But what if you don't? 
and then your fucking bike is down a 10 foot ditch you are yeah and, yeah uh, it's like I, I did see this uh, and so it's getting late and it's dark and it, there's dogs out and it's and you're climbing through the desert with fucking you're huge spiders, in the middle of nowhere and you and yeah 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 it's it's you know the story goes a long way but eventually uh everything i had in my wallet and a bunch of amazing uh uh, construction workers uh, I got that bike out of there and I'm not kidding it was no kidding <laughs> you are but 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 mm. it was uh, in between there was uh, fear a little bit of fear a little lack of water a little bit walking yeah you're out in the middle of nowhere yeah yeah, yeah. so it was a good it was a good lesson man you know I'm never doing that again because well I, I will approach it uh, you teach me a lesson here I mean Landbridge folks if you don't know about it Dimitri was out in uh, in uh, Mexico down south and uh, he was out in the middle of the desert and uh, Landbridge is basically like a cavern like a Indiana Jones shit where there's a little thingy across the cavern that you have to go across like think about a log on a, on a stream correct exactly similar something sim- like sim- similar yeah. something like that and right. so he went across and things went awry and then so did you look down a, you know i'll tell you what I, let me make this clear if if i was weighed this story would probably went better um but uh you know there's a certain amount of lack of skill a certain amount of it <laughs> no i mean i would have been the same way i'm not a dirt bike rider but yeah i mean uh yeah like in nudes yeah um yeah, I saw it. I mean, holy moly. And I'm glad when, you got everything out of it. When you guys were it. talking about Isle of Man, hey, I just got to ask you guys a question. What's up with uh, McGinnis on the Norton? That's amazing. He's like he jumping do on something. I mean, well, jumping on a new bike, doing those speeds. I mean, he developed that Honda since like... Well, Dimitri, what's like, up? Keep us informed. What's going on exactly? Okay, so apparently Norton, they've had a bike out of the aisle for a couple of years. But this last year or so, they came out with their own boutique motor. It's a V4. They were using the Aprilia motor before. And then then you find McGinnis got hurt and he was out of it. And I'll, believe me, I'm not even following this. So this is just extraneous information. Well, you're one of our reporters in the, in the sky for when it comes to motorcycling. You, he had you, a crash. You, you, you keep track of stuff. Yeah, and he had a crash. And like Holy the moly. balls that it takes to get on a new bike that's not developed with a new motor at that age, you know, mm. with you know, it's just awesome. I mean, it's just amazing what he's... What he's uh, doing at that you know he's not stopping it's way it's way 2.0 damn it (laughs) well it's 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 all uh, also the mark man be in history for bringing a norton back Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's a real like, Norton yeah. for once. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean, there's They're also that to be the books get. Yep. First man that did that. Yep. I mean, it's a gorgeous bike too. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. So I'll have yeah. to take a closer look. I mean, it's just like we were just looking at the Britons earlier on on, uh, on the interwebs. I mean, that man, uh, holy moly! I mean, he he revolutionized everything. I mean, uh, if he were still alive, I mean, I don't think he would. Who knows? Uh, he was already beating everyone with that bike, and uh, I think I think I just read somewhere there were only like ten made, some like yeah. that. I think there was like twelve, and maybe like ten survived, some like that. But you know the doc the documentary. I mean, I, I've watched it like a couple of times. You know, every couple of years, and I never get tired of it on YouTube. Just the John Britton story or whatever it is. It's yeah, about an hour and fifteen minutes. I mean, he he was doing architecture. He was doing all kinds of stuff. Genius level. I mean, to then. make those wheels and fucking cast his own motor and the way they yeah. got out of that shit at Daytona where they fucking exactly. you know, they had the cylinder sleeve that split and they welded. I mean, it's it's a miracle. 
you know, it's a little bit like Motosis too. I mean, he died too of you know cancer. No kidding. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah, I did. I, guys, I wasn't uh, aware he was of building that. building a GP bike over yeah. here in uh, Michael Sist or whatever. Over here in uh, in uh, uh, South City. I don't know where he was from. I used to, I think it was California. But okay. he, he had that winning um, electric. He switched to electric bikes. He had the winning electric yeah. bike of the Isle of Man. It was Wait, the one with all those did, batteries that like go in like. You did know, you see that way? Slots. Wow. Oh, I wasn't incredible. there actually on that oh, one. It's, it's incredible looking. Okay, with Wait. the electric bikes. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just like Britain kind of tragedy, a great thing, you know. You know? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just quite incredible. I mean, these motorcycles made and uh, how, how they do them. And, well, so, you know. so somebody told me something interesting, you know. Um, it, it said, it's not about how long you live. It's about what you accomplish in your life, you know. And that was just a couple of days ago. And it's obvious, wow. but, you know, it really, it really kind of hit home a little bit. Well, it makes a big deal, yeah. you know. I mean... Uh, Yes, I mean, uh, and everyone to, to that question, everyone has to answer themselves. Yep. You know, I mean, that that's a very deep philosoph- philosophical, is that the word? Right. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, yeah. exactly. Something you know. that makes you happy that, that you did actually accomplish. Yeah. It goes really like, far. You know, I just saw this, saw this again on the interwebs, a, uh, a picture of a Labrador looking out at the ocean in a perfect sunset, and he just ate the... Uh, uh, the philosophy book of his owner and he goes it's like what's the definition of good dog <laughs> <laughs> you know, what does that mean good dog good yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah so anyways uh, it's uh, great to be here and uh, Dimitri it's wonderful to have you Thank here you. and uh, beautiful afternoon uh, what are you up to so you're going to go back down south for a while you know, the plan is pretty simple, right? So once you're down in Baja, you got two options. You can ride your bike every fucking day, all day, and it's wonderful. <laughs> at some point, you know, I'll tell you, it's not a bad idea to have a truck because there's not a lot of traffic. And it's kind of nice to drink a cerveza and roll down the road and yeah. have your bike in the back, whatever, a little dirt bike, XR400, whatever. So I've talked to Robbie about that, So actually. ideally, if I can sell uh, if I sell this Harley, for God's sake, it's so fucking what worth it. Whatever Harley you have, put a pitch out there. Maybe yeah, some of the folks. Want to yeah. buy it? So, I mean, we got at least four listeners, from what I hear. I hear yeah, it's a '66 chopper. It's a survivor, but you know, I'm not trying to plug it or anything. But the point is, I take that, go down and buy a truck, go down there and pick up my V-Strom and bring it back. Bring a dirt bike down there. Leave the truck down there. I mean, for God's sake, everybody's rolling around with South Dakota plates. So you don't need any smog. You call <laughs> South Dakota and you go, "Hey, I want a plate," and they're like, "Thank you. Send us the title." Boom, they give you a plate, and you're legal in Mexico. So you're gonna go get a go get a truck and Bob's if I can afford it, but yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah. the that's the idea is to, to, to switch out the the big 550 pound bike for a truck and a 240 pound bike. Ah, okay. Well, you don't think there's any folks down there you could trade that big bike for? Possibly, but you know, Craigslist has like five postings down there. You know what I mean? Okay. It's like so you have to kind of know people. Yeah. What about B and B and B and B and B and that thing? Like maybe renting it out to tourists who show up, and it's just like, ah. I, I, it's it's ugly and beat up and stitched up with like a hundred tie wraps, but I still love it way too much to give it to anybody. <laughs> gotcha. It's like it's got brand. It looks it looks like hell. It's got it's got seventy four thousand miles. Cave, dude. Check this out. Brand new brand new steering head bearings. Brand new wheels. Uh, upgraded rotors, dual caliper pistons, and a and a fork brace, and it's just like a fucking 120 mile an hour fucking Mad cruiser. Maxer. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. old faithful, ain't it? And oh, the first fuck. guy that rents it's gonna crash it. You know you will. <laughs> that's easily the yeah. case, right? You know, it's like it's oh, got they balls. don't care. It's got balls. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's not a bad idea to get the truck and go down there. I, I myself are looking for a similar uh, thing. 
you know, uh, Dude, you never you... go wrong with a truck. As far as you're a racer, you always need to be able to get to the races. Otherwise, you beg, borrow, and steal, which always kind of sucks because that adds just another dimension of stress. And it ain't yours either. But so I want to say, yeah. oh, oh, sorry. I don't know. Interrupt. Go on to I, me. I just, I just want to say that the most important thing is to get down there with what you got. Don't go buying stuff to go down to Baja. If you're listening, you're probably a cool person. So I could tell you this because I don't tell this to a lot of people. <laughs> Just fucking take your bike. Once you cross the board, you're going to be fucking great. It's going to be fun. All of those worries are going to go away. Yeah, just and have a great Just get time. down there and get some water and get some riding in. Just have a fun time. A different land. After three know. or four times, you'll be like, hmm, I kind of want to get a little piece of land and maybe a truck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know, I've known people. Are, how's our friend, Doug? Good. Doug is good, man. Full, full on good. Yeah, but we, I'm, I'm glad he's back home. I'm sure he feels a lot better being there. And I don't know, all the, the, Doug ran across a few uh, uh, unfortunate times while he was here in our area. And, uh, you know, I'm just glad he's home in one piece. The, the man, the myth, the legend is, is stronger than ever. And there's a longer story uh, for it. <laughs> you With are. you dancing in it. Yeah, yeah, you are. Still got his bike at the shop if you ever want to look at a beautiful one where I took you a moto and, uh, yeah, you go from there. So uh, just want to say, uh, anyone want to say uh, thank you to any of the folks out there? All of our fans. All of our right. fans. Right on, right on. So, yeah, we had a great time here today, and uh, we ended up getting things done. And uh, for sure, it's like... Uh, Sooner or later, I'll be able to steer this boat in a proper way. But yeah, have a great time. I was mentioning to Wade earlier. I was just all pissed off doing a lawyer shit. And, you know, it's just like all grumpy. And I it's like, all right. And I told Wade, it's like, you know, I have a short show, blah, blah, blah. But the fact of the matter is I really love being here. And it actually makes me feel really good, which is kind of funny because, you know, many things don't. So, R.E.R., thank you, Mutiny Radio. Thank you for having us here. Thank you, Wade, for being here. Thank you for Dimitri for showing up Thank and uh, you. you know Dimitri's at Moto Hub SF you know he's a, he's, he's our expert here if you ever want to uh, talk about anything soon we'll be able to figure out how to make that bat phone work so you can call in uh, oh, that's fantastic phone. yeah Pam well our friends here are in uh, on vacation I've been seeing some wonderful pictures so it's just it's really awesome I hope they have a great time you know I didn't have to call them at all go, ah! and uh, yeah I hope to see you soon Pam Tab we all miss you here. I mean, radio, right? There you are. So uh, oh, from Pam. there, uh, Pam, uh, hope you're listening. And uh, I guess I'll see you next week. Uh, well, uh, you know, it's funny. I always say Take see you on the time. radio. But uh, you'll hear us next week. Uh, listen, whatever. Thank you, Racers Alley. Thank you, Dimitri. Thank you. Thank you, Oi. Wade and Mr. Alex. Enjoy. Uh, let's see whatever's on this tape here.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody Mr. Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for <laughs> is in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. 
but we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> Chester Cashcock here. Welcome you to MutinyRadio.fm. You're listening to Placeholder Open Mic with a special show coming in a bit. Black. Plastic. Vinyl. Records. Round. Played. Mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scott Who. Test, test of the telephone. Amazing. Testing one Jew. Testing one Jew. Where's that one Jew? Uh, this is Mike One. Mike One. Carl One. Carl One. Carl. I only say that from Young Kippur. Did you atone this week? Oh, shoot. It's Yom Kippur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm running for chances. Oh, it never rains, but it yum. It never oh, rains, <laughs> it never rains but it's Yom Kippur. I mean, what is Kim for? <laughs> I'm for. <clears throat> Thank you, Mortgage. So uh, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm setting it up, and then I'll record it. Okay. Uh, right now, the show, Thursday at 8 p.m., is for this month of September called Placeholder Open Mic, and it's been produced by Mike Spiegelman. There's two fantastic shows. If there's mm-hmm. a feed, I don't know if there's a feed, but we have a special show too. Hi, uh, Carl. Hey, Mike. Are we recording or not yet? Not uh, I got I got to set up the rec- I, uh, the backup copy first. We are, are going we out live. Yes, we are not only live, but whoever is following this feed is listening to us because the feed starts immediately at the top of the hour. Uh-huh. Okay. So we are technically on the Thursday night show, Placeholder Open Mic, but we're about to record our own podcast, which yes. I, which the recording, which I will have, will be played when we're normally on Sunday at 2. So that's exciting, huh? We're hijacking well, the show. Well, it's Sunday at 5, but okay. So, well, if you're on the East Coast. <laughs> wow. 